Turn again in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus says to his disciples that he would be going away. He tells them of his impending ascension into heaven. This was not the first time that the disciples should have heard or would have heard of the ascension of Christ. It was a matter of Old Testament prophecy, in fact. The psalmist in Psalm 68 tells us that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Psalm 110 tells us that the promised Messiah would in fact sit down at God's right hand even upon his ascension, his glorious exaltation. And the disciples who heard those Old Testament prophecies and heard even the Lord Jesus Christ speak of their fulfillment soon even, they themselves saw and witnessed this reality. Having told his disciples that they would soon receive the Spirit and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. Upon hearing those words, the disciples saw him taken up. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 and following record this for us. And when he, that is Jesus, had said these things, as they were looking, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. goes on to say that and while they were looking steadfastly into heaven as he went behold two men stood by them in white apparel who also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye looking into heaven this Jesus who was received up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye beheld him going into heaven. The very Jesus who said, I go to prepare a place for you, indeed, went. He, the scriptures teach, ascended into heaven, and so we believe that he ascended into heaven. And as we continue to study an Orthodox catechism, 
We come to questions 45 through 48, which summarize for us what the scriptures teach regarding this ascension. Question 45 gives to us a statement of the doctrine as it is gathered from across the scriptures. Questions 46 and 47 deal with some objections and questions that arise regarding the ascension and its uh, relation to other teaching of scripture, particularly teaching regarding the promises of Christ and the person of Christ. And then question 48 unfolds for us the fruit of Christ's ascension for us. And what we see in this summary, especially in questions 45 and 48, we'll return to the objections or the questions that arise in questions 46 and 47 uh, next week, Lord willing. But as we think of just the doctrine of the ascension itself, the truth of the ascension itself, the Catechism reminds us quite simply that Jesus ascended for real and Jesus ascended for us. And it reminds us of these basic truths quite simply because that's what the scriptures teach. That's what Jesus himself said to his disciples Indeed, it was the promise made through the prophets. It was a promise fulfilled even as the disciples witnessed. But it's a promise that Jesus himself made to his disciples when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and will receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus speaks of the reality of his ascension. He is going. But of, as well, the fruit and the benefit of his ascension. He is going for them. He is going, he went for us. And so, as we'll come to see, as we think through what the scriptures teach regarding Christ's ascension into heaven, even though it would appear that he has left, even though there is something of a departure of Christ bodily, he goes for us. There's a sense in which he never leaves us. For he takes us with him. The very one who took our nature upon us, or upon himself, excuse me, in our nature, in that nature, and in our name, ascended 
into heaven for us. Now, as we look at John 14 and our Lord's teaching, and as we think of how the scriptures elsewhere touch upon the ascension, we want to notice simply two things and look at questions 45 and 48, again, returning to questions 46 and 47 next week, Lord willing. But again, look at two things concerning the ascension. And quite simply, first of all, Jesus ascended for real. And secondly, Jesus ascended for us. He said, I go. Yes, he was going to prepare a place. Going to, as it were, receive for us and bestow upon us those blessings of his father's house. But he goes. This is a consistent theme of our Lord's teaching in his upper room discourses as he is soon again to go, to depart. He's preparing his disciples, yes, for his sufferings as they culminate in his betrayal, his trial. His crucifixion, and yes, his death. But he's also preparing them for what follows, preparing them for his entombment, but also the empty tomb, his resurrection. And yes, even his ascension, the sending of the Spirit, what their labors for the sake of the gospel would look like, And also his return, his second coming. And his focus on the ascension or his drawing attention to the reality of the ascension is unmistakable in this context. Not only in chapter 14 here, but also in chapter 13 and verse 3 and verse 33 and 36. And again in chapter 14 and verse 28. In chapter 16 and verses 5 and 7 and 10 and 28, Jesus says in those contexts that he will ascend, that he will go, that he will go to the Father. Jesus will ascend for real. There's no myth here. There's no mirage here. The reality is that Jesus Christ ascended bodily into heaven. As his disciples looked on, according to Acts 1, Jesus was taken up into heaven. And the reality is he is still present there. In that nature which he had assumed... A nature consisting of a real body and reasonable soul. 
This very one, again, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary as true man, ascended as true man. Indeed, he ascended to that place of inexpressible glory, that invisible heaven which is above all the visible heavens. Indeed, he went to the Father. He, as the author to the Hebrews reminds us, passed through the heavens, chapter 9, and sat down. The very Jesus, who as the only begotten Son is and always is, never has not been true God, was always in heaven, so to speak. Yet he who took our flesh for us went to his Father, ascended into heaven, passed through the visible heavens, that is, what we see, what his disciples saw, the very heavens which declare the glory of God, And he who had died and rose victorious over death passed through those heavens into the presence of his Father who dwells in unapproachable light. How can he do this? How can this take place. He had assumed our nature and he had assumed our nature for the sake of our salvation. Indeed, even to make satisfaction for our sin. And he did. He cried out from the cross, it is finished. And the resurrection itself attests to the fact that it is God's own stamp of approval, as it were, upon that finished work. And so he ascends as the man of pure heart, the man of clean hands. Psalm 68 says that when he ascends on high, he led captivity captive. The Apostle Paul quotes this in Ephesians chapter 4 with the implication being that Jesus indeed had achieved victory. He had taken his spoils with him then out of the grave as he rose and then ascended into heaven victorious with a completed work such that again he who bore our nature 
He who bore our sin bore it completely, perfectly. And so entered into heaven as the righteous one. Entered into heaven. as him who indeed is for us the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus really died. Jesus really was buried. Jesus really rose from the state of death. And Jesus really, truly, bodily, and righteously ascended to his Father. Jesus' ascension, then, as one has put it, when we say that we believe that he ascended into heaven, what we are saying is that I believe that Christ, who was always in heaven according to his divine nature, after fulfilling his mission, and instructing his disciples for 40 days about the truth of the resurrection and the kingdom of God. And that same true body of his that was assumed from the substance of the Virgin Mary, hung upon the cross, died, was buried, and rose again glorified. In that very body, I say, together with a truly human soul, he ascended into heaven, the seat of eternal Happiness. Yes, he departed from his disciples bodily, but as he departed, he ascended into heaven, into the presence of his Father, indeed, to his Father. This is significant. Again, Jesus ascended truly, bodily, righteously to his Father's presence, into heaven itself. Into what Again, the author to the Hebrews speaks of as the holy place. The place not made with hands. Hebrews 9, verse 11 and verse 24. Into that place of eternal Holiness and eternal 
happiness or blessedness. And he entered as the Holy One, the Sanctified One, the Righteous One. Such that we who were unrighteous might enter there. And that we who deserved eternal punishment might instead receive that eternal happiness, eternal blessedness. Jesus went, he ascended bodily, ascended truly, ascended really, ascended righteously, ascended into heaven. the holy dwelling place of God Most High, at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore. And he did so for us. For you and for me. The design of our Lord's departure was to prepare a place for us. In his father's house are many mansions, he says. In his father's house is a dwelling place of eternal blessedness. A place that is blessed because the ever-blessed God dwells there. That holy mountain, to change the imagery, from which flows the river of life, a river of blessedness, which makes glad the city of God. The holy place, wherein the Lord Most High has his abode. This place of blessedness, Jesus goes there to prepare a place for you. Jesus enters the heavenly places so that we, who are his spoils, might go there in his train so that we too might ascend as it were question 48 of the catechism tells us or asks what fruit does the ascension of Christ into heaven bring us first that he makes intercession to his father in heaven for us Second, that we have our flesh in heaven, that we may be confirmed thereby as by a sure pledge that he who is our head will lift us up, his members unto him. Third, that he sends us his spirit as a pledge between him and us. 
by whose power we seek after not earthly but heavenly things, where he himself is sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus entered into heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven, the holy place. The place of eternal life. And he did so so that we might be brought into heaven, made citizens of heaven, have the spirit of truth and holiness, the spirit of heaven, as it were, so that we might have promise of heaven and even come into that place as he has bodily. Jesus ascended into heaven for us so that first of all we might say the righteousness of his victory might be ours. Again, who may ascend into the presence of God? The very psalm that we sang this morning reminds us the one who has a pure heart and clean hands that is the one who has done no sin. This was Jesus. Not us, Jesus. But Jesus makes satisfaction for our sin in such a way, and indeed earns righteousness for us in such a way that as He ascends, He ascends in order to bestow that righteousness upon us. His entry into this, as one puts it, the highest holy place is a testimony not only to His righteousness, but to that righteousness of His which has become ours. And the fact that He now makes intercession for us as is taught Clearly in the scriptures, even Romans 8 and verse 34. This Jesus who as ascended makes intercession for us does so on the basis of his righteousness. And so confirms in us that his righteousness is our righteousness. The righteous one sits there for us. He intercedes for us. And so we ought to have no doubt that we are righteous in Him. Jesus ascended into heaven having made perfect satisfaction for sins, having offered Himself once for all. He ascended 
so that no charge can be brought against us. God has justified us. And he has justified us through the one that died, rose again, and ascended, and sat down, and now, as the ascended one, intercedes. Jesus ascended for us, so also then, that as we are united to him, we might receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in him. And this is underscored by the fact that Jesus ascends in our nature. He says to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. He goes bodily, yes, with our very flesh, but yet glorified flesh, a glorified body. And he goes for us, so that as we who abide in him, we who are united to him, are there, as it were, with him. The place that Jesus ascended to is his Father's house, the kingdom of heaven, that real and everlasting, the greater and perfect tabernacle not made with hands. And he ascends there as that place is the inheritance that he won for us. Calvin explains it this way, Christ did not ascend to heaven in a private capacity to dwell there alone, but rather that it, heaven, might be the common inheritance of all the godly. And that, in this way, the head might be united. To his members. Jesus, in fact, after his resurrection, tells Mary not to touch him because he said, I am not yet ascended unto the Father, but go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and my God and your God. John 20 and verse 17. Jesus ascends as our righteousness. Jesus ascends then also as our representative and so takes possession of heaven for us in our nature, in our name. He is our head. We are his members. He brings us to heaven and gives us heaven. And even now as the one ascended, is in heaven in that flesh which we will have in that flesh which we will bear this flesh glorified it is a pledge not only that we presently now have been raised from the dead 
and have, as it were, been seated with him in the heavenly places spiritually, but that we too, like him, will ascend bodily. That is, we will dwell with God forever in our glorified state. Jesus' ascension is for us in terms then of our justification, but also in terms of our glorification. Sin vanquished, damnation taken away, righteousness granted, and Jesus is our representative telling us that just as He dwells, With the Father, so we too will dwell with Him, with the Father. And in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this teaching about our justification, our glorification there's also something about our present preservation Jesus said that as he ascends the spirit would descend and I will pray the father It is I will intercede for you and he shall give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. At present, at present, the spirit of Christ dwells in us. And the Spirit of Christ has been poured out upon the nations. Because Christ ascended. And this Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is that comforter that is one who from heaven gives us heaven, seals us for heaven, and assures us of heaven already won. The Spirit is presently at work. As the Catechism puts it, as a pledge between Christ and us. And he works in us in such a way that in this present pilgrimage, as we wait for Jesus to come again and to take us to himself, to bring us finally to the Father, the Spirit works in us, cause us to desire, not the things of the earth, but the things of heaven, where Christ 
is presently seated. I go to prepare a place for you. I go there so that as I go, you also may go. Jesus ascended so that those who believe upon him would be assured that the heaven to which he ascended had been one, that we were in a measure in him already there, and that we would be forever there with him. Jesus said, you live because I live. I live and therefore you live. I ascend to heaven and therefore you ascend with me. Heaven is yours in Christ, dear believer. All of the blessings of heaven are yours in Christ. All that belongs to the holy and happy dwelling place of God most high is yours because of Christ. Now you don't see that, do you? (laughs) Only by faith. Only by faith in this very ascended Christ. In the Christ who entered into that holy and heavenly tabernacle not made with hands. Put it another way. You only know the Father because of His Son. Do you know Christ? Are you trusting in Him? Are you resting in the finished work of the cross, which is verified and confirmed as indeed true and real, even as this very Jesus who died rose and ascended and now sits at the Father's right hand? And if you know Christ, if you're trusting in Him, though you do not presently See him. Heaven is already yours. In Christ. And this is why our Lord's words at the very beginning of John 14. Ring true today to us. Just as much as they rang true as he said them to the disciples on that day. Let not your heart be troubled. Dear believer, let not your heart be disturbed by the world, by the flesh, or by the devil. Why? Because Christ has gone to prepare a place for you. That where He is, there you may be also. You dwell with Christ in the heavenly places, as it were. 
you receive presently the benefits and the blessings of eternal life, eternal blessedness, eternal happiness, dwelling with God Most High Himself, dwelling with the Father, dwelling with your Savior Jesus Christ through the power and operation of the Spirit. Yes, we wait for Christ to return. We wait for our own bodily glorification. But we wait with the assurance that just as Jesus ascended, He will come again. The very assurance that those two spoke of to the disciples gathered there when Jesus ascended. The assurance that yes, just as He went, He will come. But also the assurance that just as He went, He went for us. In our nature. In our name. For our sake. As one church father put it, as the pledge and security of our entire perfection. For as He has given to us the earnest of the Spirit, so has He received from us the earnest of the flesh and has carried it with Him him into heaven as a pledge of that complete entirety which is one day to be restored to it. Be not disquieted, O flesh and blood, with any care. In Christ you have acquired heaven and the kingdom of God. Jesus is no half-savior. Jesus is a whole Savior. And He gives us the holiness of heaven and the wholeness and fullness of heaven. So, dear believer, let not your heart be troubled. Continue to believe in Jesus Christ who suffered for us, died for us, rose for us, and yes, indeed, ascended for us. Let's pray.